My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies, and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share, and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening, and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. guest today is Lucy Chamberlain, the founder of CNC Search, a firm that's dedicated to elevating both the client and candidate recruitment experience. Now, she recently bagged the award for most engaging speaker at the Female Speaker Conference Awards. And when I first met her last year, I was impressed with her authenticity, her warmth, and her genuine passion for people. Can't wait to find out more. Lucy, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute joy. And to get us started and get mm. you really in the mood for discussing your success mindset, I wanted to start with what I call the shake your pom-poms moment. Okay. Um, so this is all about you being your own cheerleader. And I wanted yeah. you to just share with us your three proudest moments. Oh, that's a great question. Okay, so the things that come to mind first and in absolutely no particular order, but the very first one that always comes to mind when I'm thinking about business and my own personal business success was walking into our office on the first day when, I think three years ago, we moved into offices where we could have our very own receptionist. And um, and there was Sheridan sat on our receptionist, welcoming us with our name above her, and it's what I visualised from the very beginning when we set up. And it, it's, of course, not everyone's mark of success. But for me, I still have that little buzz every morning when I walk into the office. And now our receptionist is Amy, but and see Amy's face. And it just, it, it's, it fills my heart, you know. And um, so that's number one. I think number two was... I was invited to number 10 Downing Street. That oh, was a wow. big moment for me. <laughs> Myself and my brother, it's actually as part of a charity initiative that we were part of. But that was huge, you know, absolutely huge. And uh, and, and felt like I had that imposter syndrome thing, you know, like, oh my God, who, you know, <laughs> do they know they, yeah, do they know if they've invited? So that was another one. And then definitely seeing, seeing my daughter, grow into this fierce and courageous and proud girl that really holds her space and uses her voice. I mean, that, that, that rocks my world all the time. And I wonder where she's got that from. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely got a role model mum. Um, so, I mean, those are lovely. And what I like about the first one, you talked about the power of the visualisation. Mm. So that idea that you see what it is that you want to create and then when it comes to fruition, the feeling that you get from yeah. that is so powerful, isn't it? It's major and it's, inc- you know, and I'm a big Gabby Bernstein fan and, yes. and all sorts of other incredible people that talk about visualisation. But I do think it it's... It's incredible what I visualised and how that's come to pass. Yeah, amazing. 
And so, I mean, you run this amazing company now. I know that you have 30 people mm. in your team and um, you're helping people to get roles in organisations. Mm. Just tell us a little bit more about your career, sort of before you set up the business yeah. and then how that came to fruition. Yeah, so I've been in recruitment my whole life since graduating. I am a, I think a natural salesperson. That was the first thing that set me on that path. But then... Um, as I moved into leadership, I found that I was absolutely passionate about developing others, as well as having that incredible gift of being able to place people into careers and things that change their lives. So these three three things I just found were my were exactly where my skills were naturally made the best use of. And I was I was very young. I was the youngest equity partner at a firm where I spent 13 years and I had an amazing time there. I developed a lot, uh, built a team to just under 40 people. But in the last couple of years, lots of stuff shifted in my life and I found myself feeling really not the best version of myself. Definitely not passionate about getting up and getting into the office in the morning. And I just found myself totally out of alignment. And, and I think the values of the business and my personal values were totally out of whack. And I think when you get a sense of what you value and you use that to measure your choices that you make and who you work for and the clothes you buy and the food choice yes. you make, which is a very, it's a very middle-class privilege to do that, I have to say, because not everyone gets to make those choices. But I was in a position to make those choices and I just knew I wasn't in the right place. And I'm really lucky. I didn't make the leap, leap on my own. I actually made it with my brother. And so he was definitely a voice that kept saying, you know, we can do something really special together in the business world and, and particularly make a real impact in the recruitment world. And, and over a year we had these conversations and I just kept, I, I was a single mother at the time. I had sole financial responsibility for Chloe. So it was a bloody massive decision. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I don't have wealthy parents. I don't have, I mean, there was no plan B. It's me, you know, and, and, and so it was critical that it was going to work. And it was, it, it, at the moment in time it happened, I was at, uh, we'd been talking about it for about 10 months and I was increasingly unhappy where I was and uh, I was at client breakfast and I walked out and Ed phoned me and he just said, look, I don't mind what you do, but it's now or never. And I thought, I'm going to go for it, yes. sod it, and take the leap and see, see what comes of it. And I'm really glad I did. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, a real burning platform at one level then in terms of you're, you're unhappy, mm -hmm. you've got the financial responsibility of your daughter, there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole load of things that could have gone wrong and yeah. yet you found the courage to actually take that leap and move forward. Granted, you were with your brother, so I think that makes it easier, doesn't it? It does. A hundred percent. Having that, that partnership aspect in any area of our lives mm. that could that yeah that made it i think i think for anyone that does it entirely on their own i am i bow you know because yes. i i could not have done this entirely on my own or I at least would have found it three thousand percent more challenging so he's really helped you to kind of get where you are today mm. but you know not taking away from your own efforts either what do you think drives you to keep going every day yeah, I think it's shifted a lot um, over the years. I think fear of failure drove me for a very, very long time. <laughs> Ed and I are both, we we have crazy energy, both of us. So we are both very high energy, very determined people. I mean, I'm a grafter. 
Um, <laughs> I've had that. I've had a, you know, I've be, I had two jobs on top of school when I was 13. And I think that that's really, really helped me. In terms of driving me now, I really want, oh God, it sounds cheesy, but I really want to see what I'm capable of. And that for me means expanding my comfort zone the whole time and I love that saying you know it's not about stepping out of your comfort zone it's about expanding your own comfort zone I want to see what I can deliver for the team that work with me so it's, I've got an all-female team and I'm a real chess beating proud business woman <laughs> and, um, and I want to see how I can help them evolve and create impact and we'd love to have a board made up of all the incredible women that have gone on this journey with CNC. So, and my daughter, obviously, a constant yes. driver. And they're expensive, two kids, right? So that, that, that helps, you know, the financial yes. motivators. So I would say there's loads of things, but they feel so much more enriching and positive things than what used to drive me. And and I having experienced this real shift in what drives me, I find myself a much happier person yeah so that kind of fear of failure has dissipated now and now it's about the pursuit of success yeah yeah I like that and that's yeah. actually just like a reframe really of one being the other isn't it 100% mm. yeah okay yeah. And, and you talked about having two jobs when you were 13 I can totally mm. relate because <laughs> so did I that idea of having the pay packet at the end yeah. of the week when you're that age is just amazing isn't it oh so, extraordinary that little I used to get them little brown little envelopes brown envelope. yes <laughs> and so let's just roll back even earlier than that though so you've been in recruitment for you know from 18 until now but when you were seven what mm. did you want to be well I was absolutely I was a bookworm so <laughs> and I used to read books that were probably uh, you know not what other kids were reading so I had I had an obsession with Rumpole of the Bailey John Mortimer's <laughs> books and really really young and I was I had dreams and aspirations of different things. So I stood up in assembly when I was eight and said I want, everyone was saying they wanted to be a, an air hostess or a hairdresser because obviously people's aspirations <laughs> as women then were a lot more limited. I said I wanted to be the next Maggie Thatcher. That's frightening <laughs> as hell, isn't it? Um, but actually being a barrister was my, my really, really big thing. And I think I got a, a really rude awakening when I realised the money that it takes to do your, you know, oh, to do your gosh. pupillage and your bar exams and eat at the of the law. And um, we didn't have any. So I, that was like my, I guess my first big realisation that I really had to make my own, create my own success that meant choices weren't taken away from me. Yes. And I think that is a big, that's been a big driver in my whole life is... You know, is is f you if you think that you're going to make my choices for me? I'm gonna I'm gonna make them happen regardless. You know, yeah. I love that. Okay, so so I mean, you know, the childhood dream was to be a barrister. You then had these jobs in your teenage years. You went into recruitment, mm-hmm. and you've made it in terms of setting up your own business, and and it's really highly thought of. I know. And throughout all of that time. Would you say that you've experienced adversity? And if you have, I'm really keen to understand how you feel that that shaped mm. you. Yeah, I have. I have definitely experienced. I think everyone's got a story, haven't they? But I um, mean, yeah, of course, I yeah, I've, I've had some huge challenges in my life. You know, from divorce and mental health issues at times in my life, and you know, I had some, some really really challenging stuff happen to me in my early teenage years, and that had a very big impact on my mental health as a teenager. And I think that 
that now I realise actually the more I get to know everyone else's story that we all, we all have experienced different challenges. But I think that, and again, after my divorce, I, suffered, I, I struggled again with my mental health. And I think that what that's, what that adversity has taught me is that the only way to deal with things is the only way is through. It's not around or burying my head in the sand or using bad coping. It's, it's about working through something and when you when you realize that all these bumps in the road and plot twists are just part of life and instead of like why is this happening to me and oh you know i can't believe this is going on when i've just dealt with so and so and you're like actually this is if you just accept it as part of each of our journeys and learn to build up all these tools to be able to handle those situations it creates this sense of resilience in you that's not about coping but it's about a, the ability to handle pressure rather than see it as stress and things that are happening to you. It's like looking at how they're happening for you. What can you use them for? How can you build it for, as a platform? And even just, you know, this is a bit shit, but I'm going to be able to use this in the future to help somebody else. So I think it's helped me to build resilience, absolutely. Yes. And that idea then of really leaning into what you're feeling rather than mm. pushing it down or numbing it in some way. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. <laughs> in fact, you know, the most people that I meet in this very room are doing the, the numbing or the pushing mm. it down because mm. they don't know how to lean in. Yeah. So how have you learned to do that? I think I had some really unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I think that the thing about setting up a business is, is that you, when you're working for somebody else, you can kind of be like this onion that keeps its skin on <laughs> because but when you set up a business all of a sudden you're exposed your everything you're not good at is exposed and it's like this you cannot help it it's, it's it you you're suddenly raw and you're open to this constant feedback whether it's because you're not account you know your math your maths and your accountancy skills aren't strong enough or your marketing isn't as good or you're you're lacking in leadership or whatever it might be it it's I, I found that I was like this onion that the layers kept coming off and as a result of that I absolutely really struggled about two years into the business when I'd just been pushing the whole time and I, and I suddenly I, I suddenly can carry on doing that and I think that that's when I had to stop and, and really get to know myself and that means meditation for me I think that made a big big difference but also surrounding myself with perhaps different people people that were able to hold a mirror up but in a way that was really comfortable (laughs) and safe and were able to give me feedback in a way that allowed me to grow but also being open to connectivity I think I'm a bit of a lone wolf a lot of the time and and I think that that connection piece I can sometimes disregard as important. I think what I have learned in terms of sitting with yourself is that connectivity with other people that are the truth tellers in your life, but in a positive way is Uh really important. And so what traits are you looking for in other people then that allow you to flourish as as the person that you are, Mm. but also feel supported? Curiosity. I think that's number one, being curious to understand why you think the way you do or behave the way you do, an openness Uh and lack of judgment, that is super important. So people that spend time criticising others, judging others are people I avoid like the plague um, (laughs) because they're not people that I would feel comfortable with uh, in terms of giving me feedback. 
people that are inclusive, so accepting of difference, but also people that have passion and drive like me, because that makes them much more able to understand the person that I am. Yes, yeah, I like that. And so when you're choosing your team, that's mm. what you're looking out for as well as kind of the more skills-based stuff. Yeah, actually, we, we've really shifted. I work a lot now when we're hiring, Ed and I both do, on people's values, because actually, culturally, traditionally, we look at, can they do the job? Do we want to go to the pub with them on a Friday night? And... <laughs> That basically gives you about 50-50% success rate. So now we look at, yes, can you do the job? But then we look at, do you share our values? Uh And how has that shown up in your past and your behaviours? And how do you want to take that forward? And actually, as a result of that, we've got this really diverse team now. And it's the most stable, successful team we've ever had. And it's because we share values. And everyone is so different. And so it's shared values we look for most and I guess then you do that for your clients as well. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah, it, it makes such a big shift in the success of a business and and positively in terms of our ability to connect with, with different people externally, hugely so. And people know what to expect if they're bought into the values of the mm. company and they share them. Yeah. They know what to expect every day, I think. Definitely. So I am a big fan of vulnerability. Mm. And um, I believe that... Throughout my career, I very much stifled my vulnerability. Yeah. So it is a weakness. But well, now, it's how we were trained, wasn't it? In terms of you know, being a woman in your forties, I mean, in your twenties, you, you had you had to be able to, to stifle that. I mean, we didn't talk about feelings at work, no, did we? No, my goodness, no. And and very much, you know, that that idea that it was a weakness was mm. something that I bought into. Mm-hmm. But in recent years, you know, really see it as a strength. But I think it means different things to different people. Yeah. So I am keen through this podcast to try and get to the bottom of what does it actually mean to mm. all the different people that I speak to. So if I was to pose that question to you, what does vulnerability mean? Yeah, so for me, vulnerability means willing to share all of myself, not a shiny version. The edited so, version. Yeah, yeah, so with my team, it means being able to own up to my mistakes. It means we have to share parts of my past that that might help them to learn or grow or share experiences it means being risking not being liked Uh that for me is probably the big thing I really wanted to be liked in my 20s desperately wanted to fit in really that was so important to me and I think that authenticity from for me in summary is is that ability to let go of needing to fit in ability not to say yes when I mean no or say I like something when I don't or conform or and try and ingratiate myself it's it's about yeah it's about showing up honestly in all my relationships and conversations and that's that's hard totally. but it makes yourself it's it's so incredible the impact it has on your self-esteem when you're able to show up you know with authenticity which for me means with vulnerability it's extraordinary the shift that happens I think in terms of your self-esteem and how you feel about yourself and how you operate in the world. And just being that much happier as well, because that point you just made about, you know, not saying yes when you really mean mm. no. I love what Brené Brown says about that when, you know, she says, rather than saying yes and then resenting the fact that you yes. have, just be brave enough to yeah. say no, because, you know, otherwise you're taking your own poison on this, yeah. aren't you? And yeah, just that thing, no, no, thank you. Not even having to justify it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) 
yeah, I want to make biscuits for school tomorrow because yeah. I've got enough to do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, one of the challenges that we we face is the idea of when things don't go our way, mm. how do we handle it? So, you know, that, that big one, rejection. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that so many of my clients fear. It's something that, you know, if you're grown up in that people-pleasing environment, mm. it's really tough to lean into rejection. So you mentioned earlier that you've built this resilience over time. Mm. Has that come from experiencing rejection and, and how do you feel that you handle it? Yeah, I think, oh my goodness. I mean, when you're in sales, you, you which essentially is, is the industry sector you pop us into, you do get very used to rejection. I think probably for me where I've found it more challenging has perhaps been in my personal life. And especially if you say, you know, I was brought up a Catholic, you become a people pleaser through that, <laughs> I think. Anyway, that's just my opinion, I but I think it takes, <laughs> yeah, me too. I've forgotten the question. What was the question? How's, sorry. <laughs> Um, oh, the rejection. So how, oh, how do I handle rejection now? Do you know what? <laughs> for me, I look for the lesson in anything. So that I think everything in life is a signpost to something else. So, yes. And that's how I tend to look at everything. So if I get rejected from something, is where's the lesson? Is either there's an area for development, improvement, growth, or it was a signpost that wasn't the right thing and I need to I need to look for where that's directing me. And and I think that that for me has been a big transition and it makes a big difference to how you then see and perceive rejection. Yes. Because um, I rarely think about rejection now, which is interesting, and I rarely feel it. I often just think, okay, that's happened. What does that mean? And where can I grow or where can I shift direction or pace or focus uh-huh. so i mean what you're talking about there really is managing your self-talk yeah so we i mean everything that we feel in an adverse way is all about the story that we tell ourselves mm. and, and you've just articulated beautifully the conversation that you have with yourself yeah to help you see rejection in a positive light because actually it's about growth yeah and of course when one door shuts we know that another one tends to open maybe a few days later or a few months later but it certainly does so that idea of pivoting and growing as a result of it is is kind of where you stand Mm -hmm. really like that okay so i'm really interested to hear more about meditation because Mm. one of the things that i believe is the kind of the cornerstone of well-being is this idea of taking care of ourselves. yeah um so you know self-care means different things to different people and personally meditation isn't something that i'm great at so i always admire people that are but apart from meditation what else do you like to do to make sure that you are your number one priority yeah so i i've i've been crap at that most of my life um i think like lots of people i I was you know i i have i've always put other things ahead of my own and and a lot of that's been work related i've got a fairly addictive personality and work's been a big addiction and 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 for a long time even if i needed to go to a doctor's i wouldn't go so for me getting myself i've learned now what do I need to get to okay and that is a really great foundation I think for life so instead of worrying about Joe Malone candles and spa weekends and I think much more about okay I know I need to get to yoga twice a week I know that I need to make sure I make appointments that you know whether it's optician or dentist or but stuff that's like foundational self-care making sure that I spend Friday evenings without my phone with family it's such basic stuff now that I commit to because we were talking about this just before we were on air, weren't we? I had this 
when I got when I was going through that period of really analysing who I was and getting to know myself and, and really getting into personal development, I suddenly started committing to all of these things to do with wellbeing. <laughs> then just felt like a load of stuff I had to do that was exhausting and stressful. And, and if I didn't do it, I felt like a failure. So now I have these like foundational habits that probably to other people would look at them and go, okay, well, yeah, that's all pretty obvious stuff. But actually, I think you can you can go through life, can't you? It's almost like, I mean, people don't put on DVDs anymore, do they? But like putting on a DVD and like, just you could put, play the same DVD every single day and it would look the same. Yes. And you're kind of, whereas I think for me being present in my own life is the biggest act of self-care that I can have. So enjoying moments, being present, experiencing, I don't know, you know, when we've just placed a candidate, just experiencing that joy. And <laughs> and I think I think that, that that's how I perceive self-care and building a really strong foundation because as soon as I let one of those things slip like you know I haven't been to yoga twice in a week or I haven't spent Friday night with Chloe because maybe she had a play date or something I can feel I feel off balance yes that kind of discombobulated yeah I know what you mean and I think that idea of really committing to small deliberate practices as I like to call Mm. them it's so much healthier than this idea of you have to do the 25 things that, yeah. you know, is expected in the media. Yes. Um, if you haven't do. got a morning routine down, I mean, oh God, who God. the hell are you? I know, <laughs> I mean, getting up at five o'clock in the morning, that suits some people, but it definitely doesn't suit all. And exactly. It's not for me, I have to say. <laughs> I'd much rather have an evening routine than a morning one. Well, exactly. It's whatever works, works, isn't Absolutely. it? That's the whole point. But small, deliberate practices yeah. is what it's all about for you. And I guess, you know, if we're talking about stress and pressure, how do you think you handle that versus how you might have handled it 10 years ago? Well, I think you've summed it up. I think 10 years ago, I saw it as stress and now I see it as pressure. Because when you're under pressure, there's a there's always a solution, isn't there? Yes. There's, I, I'm really feeling the pressure. What does this mean? Okay, I knew, normally you've got to take action in some way. Whereas when you're under stress, for me, that stress feels like I'm drowning. Yes. And pressure... <laughs> feels kind of almost empowering okay the pressure's on what can I do about it where do I go what and I think that I don't tend now and I think even from the journey from the beginning of the business I used to get very stressed about everything anxious about everything worried about everything you know constantly catastrophizing always thinking about if this doesn't do if I'm not up working till three in the morning and I'm not back up again at 5am then this is all going to go go to pot and then what's everyone going to think okay. and what's going and, and and I think I spent a lot of my life actually operating in that flight or fight mode yes. and now I try when I'm starting to feel the heat a bit I try and think okay I'm under pressure what action do I need to take and I wouldn't say I would say that that's been really recent for me probably over the last 24 months Uh and I think it's been very liberating I have to say being able to manage pressure is so much easier than managing stress so this idea that when you're under pressure rather than look at the whole thing in terms of what needs to be done you Mm. focus on the next small step what's the the next action you need to take yeah, and have you um have you read The Artist's Way? I haven't, no. Okay, so she talks about journaling. It's, it's The title's a bit misleading, but she talks about morning pages, and basically it's like a mind dump. <laughs> so you wake up in the morning. I don't do this in the morning, by the way, but I'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. So a mind dump, you literally write everything that's in your 
brain and it, it, it's often you look back and you can't it, it's indecipherable <laughs> but if I'm feeling that kind of sense of I'm starting to feel overwhelmed I will often now do morning pages so I'll just scribble everything everything uh-huh. everything everything down a lot of it's incoherent a lot a lot of it doesn't make sense but out of that then I can start because I've got rid of all the crap that's in my mind yes. I can then start to make a plan and a small plan as you say that get you know chunking it right down keeping it simple but I find that my brain is a very 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 busy place to be most of the time and when I'm overwhelmed I find clarity of thought impossible Mm -hmm. and that really really helps me so you're creating clarity out of the chaos by actually connecting with all of your thoughts getting them down on paper and then it's almost like picking out the piece of spaghetti from the yeah and it's like yeah. a physical release. Yeah. So it's so you get out of your head. Absolutely. And you get, you can get present then. Um, yes. And it lowers all your cortisol. It's weird what totally. it does. But it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the issues with the whole fight or flight scenario mm. and stress is the body just constantly being flooded with cortisol. Yeah. Which, of course, we're not supposed to have throughout the day. No. Um, and, you know, it just makes us poorly. And essentially, the more that the cortisol is released into the body, yeah. the more it eats away at the brain cells. And you know, I, I think I had that. 19 years, I think I operated from that, from that basis. <laughs> so I'm amazed I didn't keel over, but here I am. <laughs> I survived. Now, you've got a 12-year-old daughter. Yes. And it'd be good to just understand what advice you would give to her growing up in the world as we know it now. Oh... Okay, what would I, gosh, that's such a big question, isn't I know, it? I and know, I give her a lot of advice all the time, which she'd tell you, <laughs> drives her insane. I think walk through all doors with the sense of curiosity and optimism. Love it. That would probably be my big one. And don't worry about fitting in. Um, I think those would be my two big pieces of advice. Yeah. I love that. And maybe lean into your emotions and... and recognize that they're okay to have yeah um, rather yeah. than what we experienced in our teenage years which is don't think about how yes. you feel <laughs> suppress 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 um yeah absolutely i mean luckily the, 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 the this generation is is they are they are much 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 more open so much more attuned yeah that holistic sense of mind body soul for them is is almost it's normal whereas I, we all felt like we had to be sort of cut off didn't we so yes. head upwards <laughs> um, yeah it's almost like stepford wife yes 14 yeah yeah <laughs> an insanity when you think about it now now with my kids yes. i play a game called the five second rule game mm. have you heard of it mel robbins no, no, oh. it's, it's just it's just a game that's okay. at Christmas time. Okay. And essentially, what you get is five seconds uh-huh. to answer a question with three outcomes. Right. So no pressure. Okay, this is unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> As someone that likes to be in control, I'm yeah. like, what does this mean? What's Absolutely. this going to be? Absolutely. So I have got some questions for you that you're going to have five seconds to answer. Okay. So. And do I have to give you three outcomes? Oh, you're going to give me three outcomes. I'm going to give you a question and you're going to give me three different answers. I'm going to. Okay, fine. Yeah. Really, really quickly. Right. In five seconds. Mm -hmm. And so are you ready? Yeah. So (laughs) in the five second game rule, I'd like you to name three things that you're grateful for. My daughter, my beautiful house, my incredible team. Oh, Fabulous. So we've got family, home, and work mm-hmm. all wrapped up in one 
grateful package. Yeah. I mean, talk about balance. I absolutely love that. Good. You can't get any better. I passed. You. You <laughs> and because you did so well, I'm going to ask you okay. another one. Are you ready for this yeah. one? So in the five second game rule, can you give me three things you like to do to relax? Dance, <laughs> yoga, <laughs> be outside. Oh, can't beat being outside. Yeah. Especially when the sun's shining. Do you like the sunshine? I love sunshine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, can't beat it. And let's do one more. So let's do in the five second game rule. Can you name three things that you take to a desert island? Uh, oh, they've got to be things. Oh God, what would I take? What would I take? I've I've already spent my five seconds. I don't know. I'm procrastinating. <laughs> Can I take my husband, my daughter, and um, crisps? Crisps. <laughs> what flavour crisps would you have? Salt and vinegar, obviously. <laughs> So, final question for you, and this is the big one. This yeah. is the question that we ask everybody at the end of the podcast. I'd really like to understand from you, what do you believe is the secret of success? Okay, so determination, uh-huh. smart habits, and a continuous commitment to growth. Oh, I love that. So constantly moving forward. Mm, Evolution, I think, is key to success. Mm, I really like that. And and just on that last point, I think it's that, I would add to that personally around knowing that you're enough Mm. and the baseline is enough. Yeah. But then that it's okay to keep growing. Yeah. And we don't need fixing. Yes. We don't need fixing. (laughs) But we can keep growing. And I think that's, yeah, we all sometimes get lost in that. And the smart habits that are a secret to success, just give us one or two of those. Yeah, I think I think showing up for yourself every day, so that means living in alignment with your values. It means doing the things you need to do to get you to where you want to go. I mean, every choice we make is a step towards or further away from our goals, isn't yeah. it? And so it's asking yourself, is this taking me towards my goal or is this taking me away from my goal? And those help develop smart habits. So for me, little ones are things like, getting my clothes ready the night before work. That's a smart habit. Making sure that I've got my stuff set up for the morning so, you know, that I can have my morning coffee and that, uh, you know, I can do my meditation or whatever it might be. Making sure that my gym kit's packed so that I'm ready to go to... So for me, these are smart habits. Planning, planning, planning. Um, You know, I love the to-do app on my phone. So it's small things that add up that I think help build success and just setting yourself up for absolutely yeah. yeah giving yourself a fighting chance yeah okay no i really really appreciate all of your time all of your wisdom to see you. and all of the the fabulous answers that you've given today thank you so much thanks so for much for having me and i look forward to seeing what's next for you and, and you your wonderful business thank you so much <laughs> I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.